Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Seven Circles. My name is Jonathan. I'll be your host today. Thanks for tuning in. I appreciate it. If you haven't done so, go ahead and subscribe. Make sure you comment down below. On today's program, we have Marcia Rosette. Marcia is a follower of Christ. Um, I brought her on the show because I think that a lot of people really need to hear this message. Um, and uh, I just kind of want to hop right into it. Uh, first and foremost, Marcia, I want to say thank you for coming on the program. I deeply appreciate it. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling good. Feeling good. I'm ready to get uh, relax and go into the holidays, spend time with my family and just chill and have some off time from work. So I'm cool. I'm chilling. Nice, nice. And um, what about Thanksgiving? How was how was that for you? Um, I know, you know, they were talking about they don't want families to be together and all of that. Did you guys go ahead and enjoy good Thanksgiving? We had a nice one, um, you know, just immediate family, my husband, our little ones. And then my sister came from Atlanta and my brother. Okay. and um, my niece and nephew so it was a small gathering but we still enjoyed it and, and embraced one another and then we did a zoom call with family that we couldn't get together with we uh, met through a zoom call mm, okay I, I actually took the uh, airplane from here all the way to Atlanta and and I actually um, recorded my whole experience but I didn't post it but I was thinking that the airports were going to be incredibly crowded and I thought that you know how when you're standing in line to go do a security check um, I thought that people were going to be social distancing, but they, they weren't, they weren't, you know, and it's, it's interesting because you're, you're on the plane and you're really close to these people and whatnot. But um, uh, yeah, that was my quick experience. Um, so you're, you're all the way out in t Tennessee, Nashville? Yeah, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. And, and what's that experience like that uh, down there for you as far as like mask and everything like that? Are they really pushing it really, really hard or are they more... They're very laxed here in Nashville. And so, um, you know, I, you just have to use wisdom. We mask up when we go out, you know, mm. but there are people here that feel like it's infringing on their rights and they don't want to wear the mask. And so um, they're, they're very laxed here. So you have to use wisdom when you head out. Mm. Okay, great, great. So let's kind of get into this a little bit. Um, but before we do, I always like for the people to have a good foundation. Um, um, so that they kind of know like, you know, where you're coming from. So I, I kind of want you to talk about who were you in high school that used that as a, um, a base, a starting ground. Uh, you mind talking about that a little bit? Who was Marcia in high school? <laughs> <laughs> well, Marcia in high school was um, very young, very impulsive, um, very spontaneous. Um, I would say um, uh, looking, looking for her identity um, trying to figure out who she was, you know. Um, I feel like a lot of my childhood experience is kind of sculpted how I viewed the world, how I related to people. Um, and, you know, I had to really try to pull to figure out who I was and, um, you know, maintain or just kind of have a, set, a circle of friends that I could, you know, lean on and trust. Um, a group of solid young ladies um, who we grew up together, you know. Um, coming were you like a, um, were you like a jock or were you like the uh, queen, what do they call it, queen Victoria? Like what was your, um, um, your role in that? I don't like, I, I was, I was athletic. I did, um, I did play sports, but I wasn't like the best, okay. um, but I did play sports. I was athletic. I kind of feel, I kind of feel like my circle, we kind of did our own thing. We didn't go, we didn't follow trends. We didn't try to fit in. We tried to stand out. We were kind of quirky. Um, you know, we had our, our things that we like to do. And so right. we were set apart. 
Um, and I just felt like, you know, it was just, a, a, it was a great experience, you know, just trying to figure out who you were, you know, um, connect with other young women who you could relate to and just navigate that whole season of life where you're going through puberty, you know, you're going through um, different changes, you're um, discovering your inner beauty and your outer beauty, you're trying to develop your esteem, you're, you begin dating, you know, trying to figure out what you're going to do after high school. So there were so many avenues and it felt good to have a solid group of friends and a good support system with my family to navigate that. Right, right. I feel you. What, 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 do, you, what do you think about the school's uh, system as far as um, back then? Do you vibe with it? Do you think that you got a proper education or um, do you have different thoughts on that? I do. I feel like um, I feel like I got a great education. I feel like um, the reputation of our high school was not so good, considering where we were from and just being um, going to school in, an, in a center city, inner city type of environment. But I feel like I had a great um, education. I feel like there was a healthy balance in diversity in the school. I felt like um, the courses that were offered um, well equipped me. Um, I feel like you know, it was just a, a nice balance. And, you know, I've just was introduced to so many people that helped me develop a sense of pride for being a young African-American woman. Um, because we, outside of school, we had the Boys and Girls Club. Um, we had leaders in the Boys and Girls Club and in the community that would encourage us, that would speak life into us, and that would introduce us to things that you may not have gotten exposed to when you were in high school there. But we did have um, that outlet. And we did have those who would um, introduce us to like HBCUs and what it would be like to step foot on an HBCU campus, uh, a historically black college or university. Um, and so I felt like it was well-rounded. I felt like there was a lot of diversity and I felt like there were a lot of opportunities, but you did have to go get it. Mm, gotcha. Um, okay. So, you know, uh, I guess you could say off air, we were kind of talking about this a little bit. And I know that you actually had an exchange uh, student. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I wanted to know, um, do you think that that actually prepared you better uh, for um, school in some type of way or in life? And um, were you also an exchange student or how did that like come about? I was never an exchange student, but my grandmother, she worked with an agency called Impact and they would place exchange students in our home. Um, and so we had exchange students from Japan. We had exchange students from North Africa. Um, we had exchange students from Africa, um, you know. So we had so many different, um, we were exposed to different cultures growing up and um, different cultures, different family lifestyles, different foods. Um, just different things that may, maybe most people wouldn't have been exposed to. So it did allow me to develop an appreciation for diversity and culture, um, you know, just just people being different, but learning to love one another and get along. I mean, even, you know, in, in Allentown, it's very diverse, you right. know, big Hispanic community, a big Caribbean community. Um, you have, you know, your African-American community. We have our Caucasian community there. Um, our Muslim, I mean, there's so many different cultures, so many different ethnicities, so you have no other choice but to be open-minded. Well, do, do, do you think it gave you a head start um, as far as your success and where you are right now? Do you think it has impacted you in that type of way, a positive type of way? I do think so. I think it's helped me be open-minded. It helps me view people through a different lens um, and not just a narrow lens. 
Um, it helps me to remove stereotypes from a situation and really get to see the person for who they are. Um, and it helps me to appreciate different cultures. I think that's one of my strengths. As, as uh, with you asking me that question and thinking about what I do now, as far as my career, I think that's um, what I'm helped, helped become one of my strengths. Mm, beautiful, beautiful. Okay, cool. So, you know, the, 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 the main topics that I really wanted to discuss, you know, this is title uh, going back to God. But I, I also know that, you know, you have many uh, hats, if you will. And, um, you know, you're a lyricist as, as well. And growing up, I, I think about a lot of the music. Um, I think when I lived in Allentown, I think uh, Rough Riders, Eve, DMX were big back then. Mm -hmm. uh, Beyonce, of course, and Jay-Z and Nas and all of them. And, and, and music, you know, was what it was back then. Uh, I'm not going to say that it was the best of the music, but it had some substance to it, some of it. Um, and, and it's extremely different now. I, I wanted to get your uh, perspective on that. What do you what do you think about the whole music game back then versus now? Um, well, I like to consider myself a hip hop head. Like I love hip hop culture, um, and so of course all the classic stuff is just it's it's just is classic. You know, it's like certain oh. certain song drops, and you already know what it is. <laughs> Right, right. Who, 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 who was some of your favorite like artists like um, growing up? Growing up, I loved Lauryn Hill. Mm, um, I loved Foxy Brown. I loved Fox Brown. I liked Little Kim. Um, I liked. Um, I loved Jadakiss. Okay. I loved Nas. I loved Big L. Busta Rhymes. Um, you heard Busta Rhymes' uh, new, new album? No. Okay. I haven't listened to that, but I have, um, you know, just kind of back in the day, those were some of my artists that I would go to. Right. Okay, mm. cool, cool. And, and, and so what inspired you to be um, a lyricist and like kind of like coming out like that? I think, I've, I've, I mean, I've always had a love for poetry and it started when I was younger, like in high school, I used to write poetry like nonstop. I always had this desire to write a book. And so I would write poems all the time and, um, you know, once I went to, once I graduated high school and, and then I love music, of course. So I loved like, I loved hip hop. I love Fox Brown. I love Lauryn Hill. Like I just loved their music. I loved Aaliyah. Like I love just different artists and their different styles and their flow and their delivery, their confidence. And yeah. so once I graduated high school and went to um, college and I st uh, started at Grandland State, I ran into some, some uh, cats who were like, you could actually take your poetry and you can turn it into music because you can already write. And so I was like, okay. So then, you know, I just started developing my craft and writing more. Um, and because I'm a lyricist and I like listening for lyrics, it just came naturally for me to be able to write um, and flow and write a beat. And so I kind of brought that hip hop twist to my own style of just um, kind of like a spoken word hip hop twist. And um, now I just put it on paper. And so I just, it, I just have a, an insatiable love for music and the hip hop culture and um, spoken word and just bringing it all together. Mm, yeah, maybe um, uh, you can give me your piece. Um, and then um, when I actually uh, post this, I can put it like up in between the interview that we used to get a little taste of it, you know? Okay. Um, um, so yeah, so you know, I've been flowing for a while too, but um, it's interesting because I used to get stage fright. Um, I was curious if you ever have gotten stage fright. Of course, like 
if you're not afraid before you get on stage, then then you're too confident. You know what I'm saying? I feel like it keeps you humble um, when you feel that nervousness or that anxiousness creep up in you before you hit the stage or before you perform. For me, it keeps me humble. So I never feel like I arrived. You know what I'm saying? I'm always practicing and working on my craft. And so if I'm nervous, that's a good thing because then I know that I'm humble and I'm gonna be me. What 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 are what are some of the things you do to uh, combat that? You have any like methods? Now I pray. You know what I'm saying. Like um, I pray before I perform, before I share, um, just to uh, calm my anxiety, calm any fear that may try to rise up in me and um, distract me from the message and from what the Lord is using me to do. Right. Um, so that was kind of like my thing. Like if I I will pray, I'll prepare, I'll prep even before I speak. Um, at a, if I have to do a speaking engagement or if I have to teach or if I have to share anytime, anytime the Lord is using me, I, I have to pray and get myself out of the way, you know, so that he can do what he needs to do through me. Get yourself out of the way. I like that. That, that makes a lot of sense. What, what do you, so what, what do you think about the music nowadays? Do, do you um, buy with it? You think it has a similar, um, I don't know, uh, vibration? I mean, I think it's for the, I think it's for the generation that it's for, you know what I'm saying? I mean, will I say that I relate to it? No. You know, if I do want to get in my hip hop bag, I might bring out some of the old school stuff. But for me, I've kind of transitioned into listening to different Christian hip hop artists Mm -hmm. that really just speak life and encourage me. And so that's my go-to when I want to be fed, you know what I'm saying? Because I feel like at a certain point, you have to be mindful of what you're feeding your spirit. And so I want to feed myself with stuff that's going to speak life into me and encourage me and and just speak in truth and have like uh, have meat to it, you know. You know, a lot of people don't look at music as something that you consume. They think that food is just something that you consume, but you, you're absolutely right. It is something that you consume, and it does affect the way that you think, and which is going in return going to affect the way that you act and view the uh, world. Uh, what, what, what do you think about Kanye's uh, album, the one where, I forget the title of it, but it's, um, it has a, a gospel twist to it. Have you listened to that? I haven't listened to it, just sat down and listened to it in its entirety. I've heard a few songs from it casually um, as others were listening to it. Um, but, you know, I just really, I feel like if Kanye, you know, I don't know Kanye's heart. I can't judge his heart. You know what I'm saying? If he right. feels like he's doing this for the Lord, then that's between him and the Lord. So if there's a song that I vibe with or rock with off the album, I'm going to rock with it. You know what I'm saying? I have no judgment on his walk. What You know, if he's glorifying the Lord and he can bring people to Christ through his music, right. all praises and honor to the most high, you know, Beautiful. So that's my take on him. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a testimony. And so he has his process and his journey and it may not look like mine and who am I to judge him for what? he's going, you know, what he, he chooses to do. That's between him and God. And that's his personal relationship. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Where, where, do, where do your love of God uh, come from? I want to say your love of God. Um, I guess your relationship, your uh, faith, you know, where, do, how, where did that spring from? I feel like, you know, I felt like when I was younger, I, you know, I, you know, that saying you grow up in the church, but you're far away from it. You know, like I felt like I was raised in the church, but there was a disconnect because of um you know just those who were around me who were sharing talking to me about the Lord but not really walking that out you know some of the people were not really walking it out for me and just a distorted view that I developed of God over time 
Um, so I personally feel like um, I just had a distorted view and because my view was shaped in fear, um, feeling like the Lord was going to, like God was this big powerful person that was going to punish me for my the things that I do that he doesn't like and feeling like I was so far from being connected to him that I might as well just live how I want to live um, and feeling like his love was unobtainable because I was so flawed and so sinful. There was just a wall up between us, you know, and I just kind of went on my way and I kind of just got saturated in the world until, um, you know, you go through things. And when you go through things that are very hard, you find yourself in a position where the only way, place you can look is up. And I felt like when I was in that, um, when I was in my most vulnerable situations growing up, especially like in young adulthood, like um, graduating college, being in college, I mean, graduating high school, going to college and experiencing some of the things I've experienced. And then in young adulthood, I felt like I hit a lot of rock bottom moments. And it was in those rock bottom moments where I know that it was only the love and the grace and the mercy of God that helped sustain me. And so it really made me feel like, wow, Lord, you know, who are you? Who are you that continues to provide and continues to keep me safe and continues to pull me out of situations? Like who, who are you? And so it just kind of started to like light a fire in me to want to know more about who he was because I had a distorted view. And once I began to truly seek him out and, you know, study his word and really just kind of get to know the character of God and, you know, surround myself with people who loved him and who would show me that love you know what I'm saying? Show me the love of Christ. And just to see how he would bring me through situations and provide for me, it really started to open my eyes and my ears to truly understand who he was and who I was to him. And so it just draws you in. It just continues to draw you in and it just becomes an insatiable hunger and desire for him. And then like with anyone, you begin to develop the relationship because God is relational. Right. You know, you know, I, like what you said uh, at the beginning that um, uh, a lot of people, you know, they associate fear with God. If, if you don't do the certain things that might be written in scripture or something that you're going to be punished. And you hear people saying, I'm a God fearing person or things of that uh, nature. Um, I think that that's what kind of deters a lot of people away from um, looking at God. And then like what you said also as well too, that they look at it as maybe they have the concept that God is this big being, this, this white guy with the beard behind the clouds or whatever, you know? Um, so what you're saying is it took, it took a lot of hard things in order for you to have the realization, you know, you had it hit rock bottom. Um, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is, um, um, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say is basically how, like, so so how did the process really start so i i guess you started like um you hit rock bottom and then you had nowhere else to go except to look up and then how did things how did things you know basically transform from, from there i feel like with with us with people there's so many distractions that pull us away from god and things can become idols for us and so you know what what we do most is what we do best and so there are things that are just big in our lives that are distractions and so sometimes we don't, we can't even see God. We can't even acknowledge him. We can't even hear from him right. because there's so many things pulling us in different directions. And so I feel like when, when the, when God really wants to get our attention, he will shut it down. You know what I'm saying? 
So when I say hit rock bottom, I mean, God shut it down. He shut everything around me down. Um, relationships I was pursuing, um, anything with my career that I was trying to pursue, um, just er things in my life, my health, like he just really kind of shook things up for me. And for me, what it was, was for, for him to, he was saying to me, like, look up, I'm here. And I've been here. You've been so distracted that you couldn't see me. You couldn't hear from me. You, you, you didn't even take the time to get to know me and I've been here keeping you. And so when I say all that, it, I mean to say that he showed me that I am everything that he needs. I mean, he is everything that I need, that he is all that I need and that I am nothing without him. That's what he showed me when he, he takes me through situations where only he can pull me out of it. And when you say um, the fear of God, over time, I've learned that it's not so much a fear, like a human understanding of fear, like to be afraid or to be scared or to be fearful. It's a healthy fear, a reverence, a respect, like a strong respect, like how we love our parents. We don't fear them, but we love them so much that there's a healthy fear, like a, a, a desire to please them, a desire to love them, a desire to honor them, a desire to respect them. And so it's a healthy fear, but the world will try to distort that and make that into some like, you got to fear God, you got to be afraid, you got to live this perfect life. And that's not true. The only perfect person is Jesus Christ. And so when you think about an, a loving and an amazing God who loved his people, like in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, we are the world. He so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have ever life, everlasting life. When you pick that apart, you're talking about the most high God loving ratchet, wretched, reckless people like us so much that he wrapped himself in human flesh and walked the earth with his people and had relationships with his people through his son, Jesus Christ. He dwelled among his people. He hung on the cross for his people. He was tortured and beaten for me and you. And we walk, we live our lives every day. We can live so casually that we don't even understand and wrap our head around the sacrifice that he, he, he gave, he gave his life for us so that we don't, we could be free from the weight of sin so that we could be connected back to the most high God. And so that we can have freedom from the bondage that the enemy tries to get us caught up in. That's an incredible love. That's not a punishing God that's going to punish you and you're so horrible. That's a God that understands his creation and saved them for those who believe in him. And so once I wrapped my head around that, I was like, okay, say no more. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's not a, a, a fear like, oh my gosh, I'm so afraid of the Lord. I want to, I got to follow him and be perfect. It's man, look what you did for me. And you didn't have to, I want to honor you. I want to love you. I want to serve you. And when I fall short, because you know that I'm sinful, because you created me and you died on the cross for that sin, you're going to pick me back up. You're going to heal me. You're going to restore me. And you're going to change my desires to make me more like you. And you're going to continue to draw closer to me and I will draw closer to you. And so it's just so beautiful when I think about it. You know, when, when, when you say um, that God had to shake everything up and had to shut everything down. Had to say like no more TV, you know, no more relationships. <laughs> like, you know, I'm right here. Um, I feel like that's what we're going through right now in 2020. I felt like on a wider scale, not just individually, 
that everything has been shut down. It's like, listen up and, and people are being put on punishment. I, I might've said it before, but like, go to your room, you know, go to your house, you know, quarantine. Um, and do you, do you think that there's any uh, significance or I guess um, a parallel between the uh, two? How, how do you see, how do you see that? Oh yes. I think that the Lord, what I, I look at it as he flex his muscles. You know what I'm saying? Like people want to, people want to live. Um, they want to disregard him. You know what I'm saying? There's no honor. There's no reverence for him. There's no healthy fear for him. So I feel like he just shut it down. He shut it down. You know what I'm saying? Like we have the uh, COVID-19 that's running rampant. You know what I'm saying? And he's still in full control. He is still on the throne. He still is the I am, I am. You know, he still has full authority over whatever takes place. Nothing happens without his permission. He opens doors and he closes them. And so if he has allowed COVID-19 to exist and manifest, then there's purpose in it. And so for me, this has been a time of just seeking him out. This has been a time of praying, drawing closer to him. This has been a time of reflecting and looking at what, what I'm grateful for. Even my, my, it's been a season of gratitude for me. It's been a season of humility for me. It's been a season of just acknowledging like, Lord, you are in full control. And going back to what I said before, and I am nothing without you. It is you who wakes me up every morning. It's you who protects me, keeps me safe. It's you who continues to provide for my family in a pandemic. It's you who makes sure we have all the resources that we need. There's nothing that I am doing that makes all this happen. It's only you, Lord. And so I feel like this has been a season of reflection. I feel like this is a time for people to draw closer to him, get to know him. To um, It's a time for humility. It's a time for gratitude. Um, it's a time for um, really preparing, you know, just preparing for the future, preparing for the next season, making sure that we're ready because things are going to be shaken up. Right. Well, if, if, if you had to sum 2020 up in one word, or one phrase, and I know you kind of just expressed it a bunch, but if you had to sum it up, how would you personally define it? I would say faith. One solid word, faith. Like, choose whom you will serve. What What do you put your faith in? Because when we're faced with things, the things that we're faced with in this season in 2020, it really exposes human hearts. It really exposes what people put their faith in. Is your faith in your money? Is your faith in your health? Is it in your, your husband, your wife? Is it in your, your, your status? Is it in your career? What is your faith in? Because again, if you're distracted and pulled in all these different directions and God is at the back burner, he's gonna get your attention one way or the other. And so we could either run from it and run from him or we can humble ourselves and, and, and you know just, allow him to come into our lives and, and just, I mean, a life in Christ is not an easy life, but it is a blessed life. And it's not blessed by material things. It's a blessing in the comfort and the peace and the promises of um, the most high God. Yeah. And, and um, um, I kind of want to touch that a little bit, Marcia, you know, speaking about um, uh, God, right. I just put it like that. And a lot of people, you know, they might say source, they might say universe, they might say love. A lot of people have some type of, um, I don't know, energy about the word God. 
But when speaking about God, when speaking about Jesus, when speaking about these things, it takes courage to um, do that. And it's interesting because if you look at the statistics of the United States as far as the religion, um, 40% of the people, the population, and the 331 million people in the United States, 40% of that are considered themselves Christians. But, but, but yeah, a lot of people don't do it. Nowadays, like if you have an opinion, uh, people want to, they want to shun you because I guess you block out everything else. What, 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 did it take a lot of courage um, for you to come out and, and actually uh, be who you are? Oh, it took, I would say it, it took like dying to a lot of things, you know, like for example, dying for certain desires dying for um, acceptance, dying to, dying to acceptance by a culture that's never going to embrace you. You know, it's like when you think about what Jesus Christ went through, I mean, he, he was here for 33 years. He was crucified at age 33. He walked the earth. He performed miracles. He led a ministry. And then they hung him and he hung him from the cross and beat him to death and tortured him and killed him on the cross. The same people who loved him <laughs> up until that moment. And so it reminds me of the world we live in. <laughs> the world will eat you up and spit you out. You can feel like you're doing everything right. And then the world will still turn on you. And that's why the Bible is very clear about being set apart, being set apart, not conforming to the ways of the world, because we are not a part of the world. We are in the world to be a light, to shine bright for Christ, to draw others to him by the way we live our lives, by the way we love others, by the way we um, walk situations out that most people would fold in because of our faith and because of our strength through Christ. And so when the Lord, when the Lord, when I, he called me, I was ready and it's been a process. I wasn't like immediately like perfect. Like I had flaws, I still have flaws. It's crazy, you know, I'm not perfect period. Um, but it's through him, it's like a, it's like a, a, a love, like a, a love, like a relationship where you grow closer, you grow stronger in that love and in his strength. And then he removes those fears. He removes those anxiety, anxieties and nothing else is important, but bringing him glory. And so you start to not really worry about what the world thinks, what people are going to say. Um, he, he gives you the voice and the platform to speak and to share and to testify and to share your testimony. Because at the end of the day, the goal is to win people to Christ. And when you really think about why are you living? Why are you existing? And to think about how quickly life ends and how quickly people are dying. What are you living for? You know what I'm saying? Like, what are you living for? And where are you going once you leave here? Are you sure in your salvation? Yeah, you know, what I really don't understand is, you know, people who want to accumulate so much money and money and money and money and money. How much money can you? <laughs> <laughs> it's just the two, it's just the medium. You know, okay, a million, two million, a couple million, whatever, like maybe, okay, 10 million. But what are you going to do with $164 billion? Like, what is, what is the point of it? Unless if you're going to, create you know some beautiful things on this planet you know what i mean I, right. I, that, that part always I feel like there's a there's um you know a story in the bible about a rich man who came you know he came to christ and he's like you know i'm, I'm living my best life you know and i'm paraphrasing because it does not say that in the bible everybody 
but it's kind of like I'm living my best life. I'm um I'm I'm doing all these things. I'm I'm giving to the I'm giving to the poor. I'm doing all these things. I'm wealthy. I'm all I'm successful. What else do you need me to do? And Christ was like, I need you to <laughs> give it all up and follow me. Yeah. And he couldn't do that. He yeah. couldn't do that. And we know that there is also a scripture that says that it's hard for a rich man to enter into heaven because their heart, it's a, it's a heart thing. Your heart posture, like, like your love for money, so greater than the love for Christ that you're not even willing to give that up to walk it out for him and with him. So for me, I always say to him, like, keep me like, Lord, you know, my, you know what I'm saying? Jeremiah 17, nine and 10 says, um, the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? But I, the Lord, the human heart is wicked. And that's why we need a savior because without Christ, we're, we're capable of doing whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like the word of God is very clear. There's not, not one righteous man that walks the earth. And so if you put your trust in your heart and in your flesh and in those desires, it's going to pull you away from Christ. And so you got to die to those desires. You got to die to those things that pull on your heart because it's untrustworthy. You can't trust it. And so when you're thinking about saying, okay, I got to, um, you know, I want to, I, I want to follow Christ. You got to sacrifice a lot. You and know, when, 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 when people, well, we're quoting scripture. So it's one, and again, I'm paraphrasing as well too, but it's something like, you have to be a child in order to enter the heavenly kingdom. You know, when I think about children, I think about innocent. I think about uh, curious. I think about, you know, happy and helpful. And those are attributes that, you know, some people have, but a lot of people don't have. It's interesting. I made a quick video about this, but, you know, we become adults um, once we get to 21. We're a legal adult. And adult actually derived from the word adulterated which means to, to dumb down, to water down. So you will adulterate something. If I'm going to, let's take an instance, I'm taking, let's say gold and I adulterate it, I'm mixing it with a, a lesser um, metal. So, so it's like, once we get to adults, we become dumbed down. Whereas like children, they, they're, they're already perfect the way that they are. You know, I'm, I'm looking at this world and 2020 has been quite interesting. And there's so many, uh, there's so many groups there's, there's the, I always forget this acronym, but there's the LGBYT uh, or something like that. Excuse mm -hmm. me, those who are getting offended. Uh, there's the, the BLM group. There's the Antifa group. Now there's the Proud, Proud Boy group. Mm -hmm. um, and um, uh, all these groups have their, 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 their narrative and, 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 what they, and what they stand for. And um, um, none of it has to do with what we're talking about. Um, in like maybe a small part of it, but not in totality. Um, you know, speaking about BLM, Black Lives Matter, when that whole thing popped off, um, I was looking at the news and I'm not really a big news person, but I was looking at it, you know, a lot. And I was shocked at what was really happening. Um, uh, wh what do you think about racism in America now? Um, and do you think that it's something that, um, would be fixed anytime soon. And I guess we now have a new um, administrative um, uh, um, in office. Uh, do you see that making any changes? Well, I feel, you know, I do feel like racism exists. You know, it's, it's very prevalent. Um, but when I look at racism, I look at it through the lens of sin, okay? 
So when we look at racism, what is the root of racism? What, what is the root cause of racism? Separation, uh, fear. Fear, hatred, right? right? Division. So when you actually dissect racism and you look at the actual sin, hatred, whatever, you know, that is um, hatred, hate. Okay, so God is love. The opposite of love is hate, right? right. And so when we're thinking about hatred as a sin, then it goes back again to the heart issue. It's a heart issue. And so what does the word of God say? The heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? It is corrupt. Who can know it? But I, the Lord. And it is the Lord who judges the human heart. So when you have billions of people and we all have heart issues, what's yours? What's mine? You know what I'm saying? So when you're thinking about God, God does not look at, he doesn't classify sin. Sin is sin. That's why Christ had to come and die on the cross for sin. He died for our sins. So those who struggle with hatred in their hearts, whether it's white against black, whether it's hatred towards a Muslim, whether it's hatred towards someone who lives a certain lifestyle, LGBTQ, whatever that is for you, if you're showing hatred, that's a sin problem. Only Christ deals and judges accordingly with the human heart. Only Christ can change our heart desires. Only Christ can deliver us from those things. And so I classify it as whatever your heart issue is, that has to be surrendered to Christ so he can deal with it accordingly. If we don't surrender our heart issues to him and we choose to indulge in our sinful nature and in our sinful desires and in our sinful behaviors, we're gonna be swept away and we're gonna be pulled from him. We're gonna be pulled far away. And then what does he do? Because he's such a reckless and loving God, he will pursue you and he will sit you down. When he sits you down, it is his moment of saying, look, you're not acknowledging me. I am the most high, I am everything. Serve me, choose today whom you may serve. But again, there are people who are not going to choose to serve him. There are people who don't wanna know him. And that's the beautiful thing about Christ because he's not gonna force himself on anybody. It is your choice. And so when we go to get back to talking about those groups like BLM and the LGBT community and, um, and Antifa and those different groups, what, regardless of what they stand for, we have to look at the heart issue and the heart posture and only God can judge it accordingly. And so my thing is I line everything up with the word of God. You know what I'm saying? And then I love, I love hard, but I line everything up with the word of God. And then I stand firm on the truth and what the word of God says. The word of God to me is true. And so I'm lining it all up. Whatever the word of God says, that is true. And that's how I'm viewing every situation. But what am I called first to do? I'm called to love the Lord, my God. And what am I called to do second? Love his people. I have to love his creation. That's the total opposite of hate. You can't drive out darkness by hating. We have to love, we have to embrace, but we also have to speak truth and we have to speak in reverence to the most high God and we have to stand firm on it. So that's the hard part for the believer because we, you know, it's like you want to stand firm on the truth, but then the world rejects the truth because they crucify the truth. You see what I'm saying? Right. And they reject the truth and we're called to stand firm on the truth. So we're going to get spit on. And that's why you, you have to be set apart, but you still have to stand firm in love. 
And so when I'm thinking about those groups, my whole lens is thinking, what is your heart posture? What is going to happen when you die? Where are you going? Who do you serve? Like when I see people being murdered by police or being murdered by someone that looks like them, my goal, my focus isn't, oh, what was the color of the race of their killer? And what was the color, what was the color of their killer? And what was the color of the victim? My focus is, dang, did you know Christ before you died? Did you have a personal relationship with Christ? Because you could have all this stuff going on in this life, but what we do in this life affects where we will end up in that next life. And so I have to think bigger than, oh, this is a, this is a black and white thing, or this is a cops versus a, a, black, a black community thing. I have to look at, Lord, like these are your people and your people are dying, your people, whether they're black, red, white, your people are dying without knowing you. Some of, you, some of these people are dying and going to hell. They don't have a relationship with you, Lord. And the world is so distracted that we're getting distracted by skin color. We're getting distracted by profession. We're getting distracted by lifestyle. And the enemy is running rampant, prowling the earth, seeking whom he may destroy. And he's causing people to go to hell. You see what I'm saying? So it gets bigger than just these movements and skin color and profession and injustice. It's bigger. Like it, it's souls are dying. Through your uh, um, scope, um, where do you where do you see us going? Like this country, let's say five years from now, where, where do you see us as a collective? I feel like I don't think any administration is going to change anything. I don't put my faith in any administration. I didn't put my faith in Trump, and I will not put it in Biden. I put it in the Lord. You know what I'm saying? Um, whatever he chooses to allow to happen is going to happen. And because I, I'm a follower of Christ and I belong to him, he's going to provide for me. He's going to take care of me. He's going to pull his people through. That's what he does. And so the, the word of God is very clear. We are living in the end times. We're living in a time where people are going to be lawless. People are going to be reckless. People are going to be lovers of themselves. Read Romans chapter one. It'll break it all down for you. It breaks down people, how people are going to act, lovers of themselves. They're going to want what they want. There's going to be so much I, I, me, me. These are my desires. I want to follow my desires. I mean, the culture is just going to, it's just going to go crazy. And then what is the Lord going to do? He's going to turn them over to their desires. And so I feel like we live in a time where the Lord is turning people over to their desires. You know what I'm saying? Which shows me that he's coming back soon. What, so, what, what, do you, what, what do you mean turning people over to the desires? Can you break that down? So if you read Romans chapter one, it breaks down just how, how people, you know, just the human heart and how people are going to shift and how people become lovers of themselves. And so um, when we have desires that don't line up with the word of God, but that we want those desires so bad, so it doesn't matter what God says. Right. And I'm going to even distort what God says because I want to live how I want to live. You know what I'm saying? He will turn you over to your desires. Because again, we're not dealing with a Lord, a God who forces himself on you. He is a God of free will and choice. So you have choose, choose today whom you will serve. But at the end of the day, scripture is very clear. Every knee shall bow. And so we're living in a culture where everybody wants the right to do something. You see what I'm saying? Even if it does not line up with the word of God. 
And so if we say that we're followers of Christ, then the word of God has to be the center stone for how we process things and how we view things. But again, that starts with love. It doesn't start with judging people and tearing people down. It starts with loving people. It starts by walking that out before people so that we can shine bright in a world of darkness. So, you know, people want to live how they want to live and they want to basically put these things in this lifestyle and their desires before God, he will turn you over to them. He'll turn you over to those desires. And what, what do we know about the enemy? The enemy's goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. And we know that. And so when we see people who are in situations and those situations are devouring them and eating them alive, and the enemy is busy working in their lives, you know, it's in those moments where we're seeing the fruit of your choice to indulge in your desires. You know what I'm saying? But again, praise God that we serve a God who is merciful. He doesn't write us off. He is waiting for us to come back to him. That's where people hit rock bottom. And then you finally notice him and he pulls you back up out of that pit. Facts, facts. And I could definitely uh, be a testimony to that. A lot of people don't know my my story on how I became uh, successful and what I had to go through, but you're absolutely right. You know, once you hit that bottom pit, um, yeah, uh, somebody has to hand down there, hey, man, I got you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, w- I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, alcohol, the drugs, things like that. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what's your, um, you know, so this is interesting because I've been in California now for 10 years. When I first came here, they had big uh, um, rallies and events legalized marijuana and wasn't legalized. And then I think like, I don't know, four years ago, three years ago, it finally got legalized and a bunch of other states legalized it. Some states it's only medical. Now that was only state. And now I heard that they want to do it federally and the bill might get passed any week time soon. And I could just foresee the future. And within no time, this country, the whole time it's going to be legal to smoke weed anywhere. And uh, I, I used to, I used to smoke weed. I, I, I'll admit it. And um, I used to drink alcohol, and I no longer do, do those things anymore. I have my own opinions on them, but um, I kind of just wanted to get your take on it, especially with weed, because a lot of people say that weed isn't a drug, and and they like to associate weed with hippies and Keith man, and weed is mm-hmm. you know whatever. What what is your opinion on on that type of stuff? Well, immediately, I feel like when you started to uh, you know talk about this, it took me to the scripture in Corinthians and. Um, where Paul, the apostle Paul says, all things are lawful, but not everything is good for you. And so when you're thinking about in our culture, the law will say, do this. This is okay. The laws will give us permission to indulge in our desires and do the things that we want to do. But again, it goes back to lining things up with the word of God. And so if if the word of God is telling me to be sober and be vigilant, diligent, <clears throat> I'm sorry, be sober and be vigilant because the enemy prowls the earth seeking whom he may destroy. And Lord, you're telling me to be sober. Well, that's the opposite of how I'm going to feel when I indulge in certain things. You feel me? So Lord, what you're saying is be sober so that I can be vigilant 
to face my adversary. You know what I'm saying? And the adversary is not your enemy. It's not your hater. It, those are principalities, things that we cannot see. The devil, the enemy who's seeking to destroy us. So if Lord, you're telling me and you're warning me to be sober and vigilant, then there's a reason for that. And so for me personally, I feel like those things can open doors. They can allow you to be, you know, out of character. They can allow you to have poor judgment and put yourself in situations that'll compromise things for you. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, I've never indulged in any of those things. You know, I'm just saying that over time, as I've grown closer to the Lord and he's opened my eyes to the impacts of those things and showed me that my body is a temple and that like, for one, our bodies are a temple. He's given us, this was a gift. Like he tells us in scripture in Corinthians, you were bought with a price. I gave my life for you. This is your temple. So glorify me with it. So am I going to glorify him through not taking care of it and doing things to my body that are going to cause destruction, that are going to cause me to get sick, that could cause disease, that could uh, damage my lungs? Am I going to glorify him by damaging my temple? No, this is my gift from him. And he tells me to honor him with this. So that's one way I look at it. Then I look at it as if I'm, if I'm not on my A game, then the enemy will have a field day in my life. You know what I'm saying? And then I look at it as I'm a mother, I'm a wife. I have little ones that look up to me. I have a daughter, I have sons. I have to be in a position where I can use sound mind and judgment so I can be an example for them. So I can protect them. You know what I'm saying? I have a husband that I love and I respect and I admire. And so there's things that I got to use wisdom when, you know, I'm in the presence of. And so I'm not saying that I don't have a glass of wine or champagne, you know, you know, or a cocktail from time to time casually, but am I going to overindulge? Am I going to do things to my body that are going to impair my judgment to the point where I'm going to be reckless? I can't focus and I'm going to make um, poor decisions. No. Am I going to do things to my temple that are going to damage it and dishonor God? No, I'm not. And so I think for those things, again, going back to Corinthians, all things are lawful. The law will give us permission to do whatever you want to do, especially in America. Our laws give us permission to do whatever our hearts desire, but you have to line things up with the word of God and you have to use wisdom. And so um, that's my take on that. What, what, what do you think about vaccines? You know, it's a big issue right now, mm -hmm. uh, gigantic. And um, it's one of those things, again, where a lot of people are afraid to have opinions because the minute you have that opinion, you know, you get this, uh, you, you, get, you can get chastised. Um, uh, what do you think about that? Well, I feel like um, the vaccines, you know, it's, it's very new and it's fresh, you know, and I think there's a lot of fear around the vaccines, especially considering the history of our country. Um, you know, our country has been known to do test studies on certain groups of people. Um, you know, there's just so many different variables that are influencing how people are viewing the vaccine. And so um, I think that there is a trust that has been broken between the people and the government. And so I think there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there. I think that, um, you know, I think, you know, there are so many vaccines already out that we all automatically give to our children when they're, you know, they're born, they start getting vaccines and there's just so many different vaccines. Um, so I feel like as a per, I think everybody needs to use wisdom 
You know, I think um, for me, I'm just going to be in prayer about the vaccine and just guidance and direction about, you know, what direction to take for me and my family. But um, I think this is just such an uncertain time and everybody's looking for an answer. And so again, we have to have faith and we have to trust in the most high and not the government to fix everything for us because they do, um, you know, they, they provide for our needs, of course, as a government, but as far as who is in full control, it's, the, it's, it's God, period. And so um, I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna um, have a spirit of fear. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to trust in the Lord and I'm going to allow him to open doors for me that I need to walk through and close doors that I don't need to walk through. And so I think as far as the vaccine, it's uncertain. People are very leery because we do have a history in our country of things happening to certain groups of people when it comes to vaccines and testing and things of that nature that can cause problems and um, health issues that are that are, have long-term effects. And I think there's a fear around that. And so um, I'm, I'm just encouraging everyone to use wisdom and um, to really, you know, really, really know what it is that you are going to allow um, into your body. You know, vaccines remind me of um, edibles uh, on a package. I remember back in the day, they would say, you can always eat more, but you can't eat less. So be careful how much you eat. And Mm -hmm. it's like, once you take the vaccine, you can't untake it. You can't say, wait a minute, I want a refund. Wait a minute, I changed my mind. You know, it's just going to happen just like that. Why do you think it is that they had these presidents on TV saying that, okay, we'll take it, you know, in the public's mind. Why, why is it, you know, and, and if you don't take it, you know, you can't travel internationally or so on and so forth. Why, why do you think it's such a huge push this time around? Do you have any opinions on it? I think that's where we have to use wisdom. You know, when you start seeing things that are a little different and not the norm and like a push or a sense of trying to control um, or force or coerce, however, whatever word you want to use. Um, I think that that's where we need to use wisdom and have our eyes wide open. And again, I go back to really being in prayer about this season, because like I said, it's not going to get better. It doesn't matter who's in office. Um, the book of Revelations already talks about what's going to take place um, in the end times. And so I think that, you know, we have to use wisdom. I think this is a, a a dire time to really seek the Lord out in these situations for guidance. Um, Cause we know that we have the Holy spirit to guide us and to um, and, and, and counsel us and to encourage us and to move us in the right direction and help us use discernment. And so I think it's a time for that because I, I don't know what, what the future holds, but I do know that God is in full control and he has everything under control. And so, that is who we have to lean on in this time. And that's why I say 2020 has been a year of faith because that's the only thing that's going to get us through the next things that are getting ready to take place. I made a video about faith and I put it as an acronym uh, and it stands for fully anticipating it to happen. Mm. Fully anticipating it to happen. Um, speaking of that, fully anticipating it to happen, five years from now, I'm sorry, five years, let's say 10 years from now, where would you want this planet to be? Let's say this country. Where would you want this country to be five years from now? Ideally. Oh, 10 years from now, sorry. Oh, you're fine. Ideally, I would like us to be in a place of peace. Um, I would like it to be a season of 
you know, just love and peace, diversity. I would like it to be a season where different cultures are embraced and accepted and respected. Um, I would like it to be a season of equal opportunity for all people. Um, I would like it to be a culture that is guided by the principles of God. You know, these are just, I, I, if it could be ideally for me, um, guided by the principles of God. Um, yeah. I if, think if, if uh, you were president, um, <laughs> I mean, what would be the first thing you would do besides, you know, giving me a tour of the White House? Oh my goodness. Hmm. I would probably deal with um, education. I would probably start doing some education reform to help those that are in, you know, inner city areas that don't have access to resources and things of that nature, as far as education opportunities would go. And then I would probably, um, you know, gear a lot of my attention towards those who are in a, you know, lower socioeconomic statuses. Um, I would also, uh, I would really try to dive into um, addressing the problems in impoverished communities like black on black crime and things of that nature, um, which is like running rampant and crazy. And it just doesn't get talked about enough. Um, oh, I would, there would be so many things I would do. I, I, oh, so many things I would do, mm -hmm. well, but, yeah, starting there. How, how do you define success? What's your, pers your personal de definition on success? I would say for me, I mean, it, it just has changed so many over the years for me. You know, at first, when you're younger, you, you desire to be wealthy and have this dream home and this, you know, family life and all these things. But as I've gotten older, I just feel like the, the, the most, the, my success comes from, you know, the legacy I leave behind for my children. You know what I'm saying? The, the, the wife that I am, the woman of God I, I, that I am, you know, the, the way that I serve, you know, the way that I represent Christ, um, the way that others can see who he is through me and see, feel his love through me. Um, you know, my, it just shifted for me. My success is like, I can have nothing and still be joyful and be happy, or I can have so much and be joyful and happy, but I never want to place my, my success or my value in things that'll deteriorate, deteriorate, and I can't take with me. And so I would say like, this has been a season for me of telling, you know, I've been telling like the Lord, like, keep me humble, whatever you have to do to keep me humble, you know, my heart, you know what I'm saying? And because you know that the human heart is wicked and deceitful and deceitful, and you know me, you know, your daughter, do what it takes to keep me humble so that my eyes can stay focused on you. And so I think that that's like, that's success for me, like staying focused on him and grinding, grinding for him and living life for him and walking it out for him. And when I fall flat on my face, letting him pick me up and then continuing to shine and continuing to grind. So that would be success for me. Mm. What, what makes you happy? Oh man, I'm a simple person. Like I used to be, <laughs> I used to be having like this long laundry list, but like, I mean, just making what makes me happy is just having peace. Um, when my family is like, when my, my, the atmosphere in my home is at peace. I'm happy, you know what I'm saying? When um, I'm just, it's like, it's joy. You know what I'm saying? Like joy is bigger than happiness to me because joy is when you can still 
have a certain posture no matter what you're going through. You know do what you, I'm saying? Do you enjoy being enjoy? <laughs> I do. I do. Because when I am enjoyed, <laughs> when I enjoy being enjoyed, for me, it makes things, it just simplifies the way that I view things. It simplifies things for me. It doesn't take much and I'm at peace and I'm happy. You know, some people have an insatiable hunger and they're not satisfied with anything. They're never happy with anything. And so they go through life and there's always a complaint. There's always something going wrong. There's always something to, uh, to gripe about always and constantly like, oh, that's gotta be, oh, that's gotta be depressing. You know what I'm saying? Like, and again, the joy first comes from knowing who my God is and knowing who I am in him. And so I don't, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with this one, um, Galatians 5.22, for the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our life, love, joy. That's the second one, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. I can't make myself joyful it comes from having a relationship with Christ and allowing the Holy Spirit to dwell within me because I have accepted him. I get that gift of having the Holy Spirit dwell within me and the Holy Spirit produces the, that kind of fruit in my life. Love and joy and peace. Like that comes from God. People will search the earth looking for that. They search the, the earth looking for all of those things that only God can give them. And then they miss it because they never come to God to get it. They go to money, they go to drugs, they go to sex, they go to relationships, they go through whatever it is, and then it drags them. Correct. And then life is over. Let me ask you this. What about uh, regrets? Do you have any regrets? Man, I used to like rethink everything and overanalyze everything. But, you know, I just learned to trust in scripture. And in Psalms 139, it says, you know, you knew me when I was, you knew me before I was formed in my mother's womb. Every day was written in your book before I was even born. I have learned to trust that everything that has happened to me is because God has allowed it to happen to me. And he uses everything. All things work together for the good of those who belong to him. So everything that has happened in my life, whether good or, or bad or horrifying or traumatizing, the Lord is going to use that for my good. He's going to use it as a testimony. He's going to use that to encourage somebody and to uplift somebody and to pull somebody else out of the pit. So a lot of times the things that we go through are not for ourselves. It's for the next person to pull the next person out of the pit who are, is going through that same thing. And you can relate and you can talk to them and you can encourage them and you can show them how Christ pulled you up out of that thing. And so I used to be living with a whole bunch of regrets, but Again, that's a way for the enemy to keep you in bondage. And since I belong to Christ, I'm free. I'm free in him. I don't have to be held down by the weight of past situations that the enemy tried to use to devour me. I'm free from that because of who he says I am and not of who the world says I am. And so, you know, if those thoughts come into my mind because I'm human and I rethink a situation or I go back to a situation that may have been traumatizing or traumatic, you know, the Holy Spirit takes those thoughts captive. He's like, nah, I'm not saying get out of here. You know what I'm saying? This is my daughter and replaces it with good thoughts, thoughts that come from the Lord that can calm my spirit and calm that anxiety and give me peace. You see what I'm saying? Because that's what the Holy Spirit produces in me. 
um, and, and in his people. Marcia, if there's somebody right now, they say, man, this year has been crazy. She's right, 2020, I'm starting to see, I'm thinking different, but I'm not a religious person. And, and, I, and, and I have parents that are religious and I don't really do that whole religious thing, whatever, but some of what she's saying resonates with me. And I do want these things, this happiness and whatever. What, what, what are some steps that you think uh, or that you could give or some words of encouragement, I want to say, that you could give to a person who might be watching on the other side of the screen? I would say to, at first, I would say to, for one, know your worth. You know, know your worth, know who, know who you are. Um, that's one of the things that gives me peace. Um, of course, my worth is in Christ. Um, and because my worth is in Christ, that's peace in knowing who I am. I, I can accept me. I can accept my flaws because he created me. This is me. This is what you see is what you get. I'm not going to go change it. I'm not going to go distort it. I have to love me. And so I would say, know your worth and love yourself. I would say, you know, there is something bigger for you out there regardless of what people say about you or what people say about your circumstances. There is a God who loves you. There's a God who is amazingly merciful. There's a God who is powerful and has full authority that would love to know you, that would love to have a relationship with you. And I correct myself in saying love to know you because he already knows you. He already knows you. It's just you coming to him and seeking him out. He's a patient God. He doesn't force himself on you. He's like a, he's like a, cooks us up in a, a, a crock pot, a slow cooker. He takes his time with us. He finesses us. He adds seasoning and taste it and, and, you know, stirs it up a little bit more. It's, you don't have to be perfect in Christ. You don't have to be all put together. You don't have to try to get all your mistakes out of the way before you come to him. He wants you just the way you are. Like, I got so many flaws, it's ridiculous. And he wow. loves me just the way I am. I want to say this because you mentioned flaws a bunch and every diamond has a flaw, whether people know it or not. Every diamond has a flaw and diamonds last forever and diamonds cut glass and diamonds are, are beautiful. Um, so just always remember that. Um, thank you. Thank you're, you. You're welcome. <laughs> hey, I want to say really thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you. If people wanted to find out more about you, more about your group or whatever. Um, I'll leave the contact information down below, but you can go ahead and, uh, you know, give your um, contact. Okay. Well, we have a ministry. I say we, me and my um, sister in Christ, um, we have a ministry called Raw Ministry, Ready and Willing for Christ Ministry. R-R-A-W, Raw, Ready and Willing. Like we're raw, we're transparent. We address issues that women go through. This is for the ladies, it's a women's ministry. Our goal is to encourage women to draw closer to Christ for deliverance, for freedom, and for healing and restoration. Um, we meet um, on, um, we have a prayer call every Saturday morning. Um, and so we have um, the phone number, we have a call-in number that you can contact us and it's 515-606-5187. And the access code is 212-638-POUND. You can also email me at womenofchrist33 at gmail.com. That's womenofchrist33 
at gmail.com. Our call is every Saturday morning at nine o'clock Central Standard Time, 10 o'clock Eastern Time. And I guess it would be seven o'clock your time in, in Cali, oh, yeah. on the West Coast, seven o'clock on the West Coast. Um, join us. We, oh, it's a powerful ministry. We have women that call in from across the nation. No, and what about, what about like, if I just wanted to change my voice, if I just did like, <laughs> you know Uh, you know you can encourage your significant other to get on and if you just happen to walk by and hear a few nuggets you can write it down you know but um um you can also find me on facebook i'm a facebook person so marcia rosette johnson on facebook and then um you can find me on instagram at marcia rosette how do you spell that our, Marcia is M-A-R-C-E-A, and then Rosette is R-O-S-E-T-T-E. And Johnson. Um, Marcia Rosette Johnson on Facebook and just Marcia Rosette on IG. Gotcha. Hey, I want to say thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the program. I really appreciate you. I hope you have a great night, great day, great week, mm-hmm. great month, great year, and a great life. My name is Jonathan. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to Server Circles. Until next time. Thank you for having me. Cool. Awesome. That was, um,